Hey everyone, welcome back to Toast and Topics. This week, we are going to dive into a topic that's likely on the minds of many of our listeners, and that is what has recently been going on in the aviation sector. To start the year, we've had a string of unfortunate aviation-related safety incidents, including a Japan Airlines runway collision at Tokyo Haneda Airport, as well as an Alaska Airlines flight, which recently lost an exit door following takeoff. Um, and before we start on anything, if any of our audience members were impacted directly or indirectly by these incidents, our thoughts go out to you. I couldn't agree more with that. And so it'll just be Sachin and I covering aviation in this episode. We have some interviews in the pipeline going forward, but that is perfectly fine because I'm not sure if I know anyone else with Sachin's level of enthusiasm for aviation. For context here, I once sent Sachin a picture of uh, the wing of a plane that I was boarding, uh, which was just in the background. And he immediately told me the plane model with perfect accuracy. It was an A320-200, just based off of that air airplane wing. It was pretty crazy. Uh, so the point here being that we already have a resident expert on aviation to help us through some of these issues. <laughs> I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I'm definitely a complete aviation geek. Uh, and many of my close friends know that flying has always been one of my biggest interests since being a kid. Uh, I used to play Microsoft Flight Simulator on my computer for hours after school. Uh, and I think I always dreamed of being a pilot. So, you know, if this whole podcast thing doesn't work out, maybe that'll be my next stop. <laughs> yep. So uh, with all the recent rumblings that we've seen in aviation to start the year, we wanted to explore a few key points about how the industry operates, including the evolution of safety on airplanes, the economics of the industry writ large, and also the longer-term costs of some of the recent accidents that have taken place on large aircraft. So, Sachin, do you want to start us off here by talking about safety in the aviation industry? Yeah, let's get into it. So many people are now understandably nervous about getting on a plane after seeing the string of recent accidents that have happened in pretty quick succession. Um, and intuitively, flying might not feel like a very safe mode of transportation to many. And that's pretty understandable, given that you're traveling at over 500 miles per hour at 30,000 feet above the ground, uh, and you're at the mercy of someone else at the controls. Uh, but the reality is that flying is actually very safe compared to other means of transport. Commercial flights are 1,700 times safer than a car and 100,000 times safer than a motorcycle. Um, and some stats to back this up, for the period 2010 to 2019, the number of fatalities per billion passenger hours traveled was 120 in cars, 8,171 on motorcycles, but just 0.88 on a commercial plane. Hmm. That's really fascinating. Um, the disparity there is just almost hard to wrap my head around. Uh, that's almost like saying that airplanes have more than 150 fewer fatalities per capita than do, say, cars. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. And this wasn't always the case. Uh, you know, flying was once a riskier means of transport, um, you know, in the 1940s when commercial aviation first took off, no pun intended, people would fly in non-pressurized cabins on planes that had unreliable piston engines and pretty poor navigation systems. 
So it's probably worth spending a few minutes talking about how aviation as a whole has made such great strides towards safety over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just to underscore some of the points that you've already made here, uh, flying in airplanes really was not something that was viewed as being especially safe uh, when this technology was first introduced in the early 20th century. A lot of the people who did it were kind of considered to be daredevils, whereas nowadays going in an airplane is extremely safe and somewhat commonplace. Um, and so just to take a step back here and think about when exactly airplane travel did start to become safer, I think it is a good idea to go to the 1940s, as you said, Salchin, which is around the time that commercial aviation began to become more prominent, uh, especially after the rapid improvements in airplane technology that came during World War II. So in the 1950s, some of the first civilian airliners were equipped with jet engines, which allowed aircraft to fly higher and faster. Um, and the introduction of pressurized cabins also made cruising at 30,000 feet much more realistic for your average passenger, which allowed many commercial flights to simply fly up and above bad weather that before that point could threaten aircraft. Um, and so by 1958, these improvements allowed for some of the first nonstop transatlantic flights. The first one was from New York City to Paris, and that operated on a Pan Am Boeing 707. So fast forwarding to the 1980s, further improvements in airplane technology such as electronic flight instruments, autopilots, and computer controls were put in place to substantially reduce the risk of accidents. Um, air traffic control also became progressively more prominent during this time, which helped prevent airplanes from simply colliding into one another on the tarmac or while landing. So there were a lot of incremental improvements being made here that really helped to improve safety um, on aircraft. Yeah, I think airplanes are really a remarkable example of how, you know, a once risky technology was iterated upon and improved until it became one of the most reliable forms of transportation that we have today. Yeah, that's right. And so with all that being said, let's now get into the economics of the airplane industry a bit more. One consequence of all of the remarkable improvements in safety that have been seen on aircraft is that the manufacturing of airplanes has become a significantly more complex process than it was as the industry uh, first began to take off. So the reliability of aircraft is in large part a function of the many different machine parts and technological components that are now used in their production. Um, and just to underscore this point, consider the clearance needed in turbofan engines on jet aircraft. A one-tenth of one millimeter variation in dimension here can apparently have a significant impact on whether the system actually works. And when your margin for error is that small, you need massive organizational capacity and armies of highly trained engineers in order to pull off the manufacturing of a single plane. And it can take years, if not decades, to develop that sort of expertise. This has meant that the barriers to entry in aircraft manufacturing are extremely high, which has resulted in a market structure that is fairly unique to aviation. Uh, that is a duopoly. Yeah, now we're going way back to Econ 101 here, but for our audience, 
A duopoly is a situation where two companies together own nearly all of the market for a given product or service. Uh, you could think of Coke and Pepsi as a classic example in the beverage industry. Um, and the companies in a duopoly still fiercely compete against one another. But the result of this market structure is that you end up with a market that has fairly little product differentiation and one where consumer decisions are generally determined by differences in cost as well as brand loyalty. Now, in the case of aviation, those two dominant players are Boeing and Airbus. Um, and for context, the commercial aviation market is one of the biggest and most profitable in the world at roughly $190 billion in size. And the Boeing Airbus duopoly controls over 99% of the market for large commercial airliners. Boeing has around 40% market share, while Airbus has the remaining 60%. Yeah, just given how massively profitable success in this sector can be, it really is no surprise that governments are acutely aware of how exactly the aircraft sector is doing and that they have a desire to protect their own domestic manufacturers. In the United States, Boeing, for example, receives a fair amount of protection. Um, and there are reasons for this. Boeing is among the largest manufacturing exporters in the U.S. and is a massive private employer, which retains around 145,000 workers in just the United States alone. Each of Boeing's products, jet aircraft, are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And so it's not a stretch to say that if Boeing does well, so does the American economy. Um, and that has meant that the aircraft industry in the United States is fairly well protected. In January of 2021, for example, the Trump administration levied tariffs on imported aircraft components worth 15% of their value. Um, and prior to that point, it was just fully assembled aircraft themselves that were subject to tariffs. So there are some complicated components to this. Economists have convincingly shown that free trade is what maximizes the welfare of consumers writ large. But for policymakers in Washington who are also preoccupied with the success of domestic champions like Boeing, tariffs are often seen as being an appealing way to insulate these industries from external competition uh, that could cause them to lose market share. And unfortunately, this does raise prices for firms hoping to purchase aircraft. It's difficult for consumers. But some policymakers see those costs as being worthwhile for the sake of bolstering domestic champions like Boeing. Um, there are some costs, though, to Boeing having been so protected for so long. They have really been at the pinnacle of aircraft manufacturing for such a great amount of time that there are some that view Boeing as being a company that's become complacent, uh, too comfortable in its position at the top, and therefore more prone to mistakes. Um, and that's where we're going to pivot to some of the accidents that we've seen in the aircraft industry over the past few years. Yeah, that's a perfect segue to talking more about the 737 MAX in particular. Um, and just to set the scene, the 737 line of aircraft is Boeing's most important model, uh, generating nearly a third of the company's revenue. Um, and, you know, it first took off in 1967. And just over 50 years later, the company delivered its 10,000th model. Um, the 737 MAX is the latest re-engineered model of this plane, uh, and it's focused on delivering 
best in class fuel efficiency, uh, improved performance and increased passenger comfort uh, to the single aisle commercial plane market. This is all true, but unfortunately, the model has been rife with issues in the past five to six years. There were two crashes, one at the end of 2018 uh, and one in 2019 on Lion Air and Ethiopian Airlines that killed over 346 people. Um, and more recently, one of these aircraft suffered from an almost unheard of fiasco. Shortly after departing Portland International Airport, a 737 MAX 9 suffered an explosive decompression when a plug covering an unused exit door blew out. Thankfully, there were no fatalities from this incident, but it was still a major lapse in safety protocol. Other 737s have been found to have the same issue. Um, so, Sachin, I'm sure that you have some thoughts on this. Uh, feel free to weigh in. Yeah, so I think firstly, it's worth noting that the issues in 2018 and 2019 were uh, different ones than what just happened on the Alaska Airlines flight. Um, and, you know, based on the kind of regulate regulation that uh, happened after those incidents a couple of years ago, uh, you know, those line of aircraft, I think, are still deemed safe to fly. And there's no reason to doubt that. Yeah, um, that was a software issue that drove uh, accidents in 2018 and 2019, right? Yeah, that's right. And it seems like this more recent one is, is more a mechanical issue. Um, but the reality is that, you know, Boeing has faced a lot of increased competition from Airbus over the years, particularly in the single aisle plane market where the Airbus A320 uh, has really just gained tremendous share over the last probably five to 10 years. Um, and, you know, that's put pressure on Boeing to put out new models more quickly and uh, cut costs. And I think much of the research out there argues that the cost savings measures have uh, resulted in uh, decline in quality uh, and has come at the cost of that. Yeah, understood. This is definitely a embarrassing incident, um, the incident that happened recently, that is, with the decompression. Uh, and it underscores that there are some challenges being faced by Boeing in improving safety and restoring trust in their aircraft after some of these mishaps. Uh, granted, things like this can happen on any aircraft in theory, but surely there are some other costs to Boeing um, in the aviation industry itself. Uh, from all of these incidents. Uh, and so I think it might be worth breaking that down a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, regulators around the world have grounded the entire fleet of 737 MAX 9s after this latest incident. Um, and all of these planes are now undergoing inspection to determine uh, the, their airworthiness. Uh, but I'll boil the impact of this down into, I think, a few big things. Uh, first, you know, for Boeing and its suppliers, there's obviously a, a reputational cost. But besides that, these incidents could potentially drive production delays and other models, as well as struggles in ramping up existing production of the 737 MAX, given the delays uh, from safety inspections from the FAA. For other airlines, uh, the grounding of the 737 MAX 9 could also mean that they have to make adjustments to their fleet planning and current scheduling. Um, that affects airlines, that affects travelers as well. Um, in fact, some airlines such as United have recently 
weighed fleet planning without the next series of the 737 MAX following the latest incident. Uh, wow. And I wouldn't be surprised if other airlines were doing the same. Um, and finally, for the U.S. at large, you know, prolonged groundings could obviously shrink the economy in a more significant way, given its importance uh, in our balance of trade. Um, you know, the current incident doesn't seem big enough yet to prompt uh, this sort of worst case scenario analysis. But four years ago, when the MAX was grounded for the first time, economists projected a reduction in about half a percentage point in GDP over the first quarter of 2020. Uh, and that's not insignificant. No, not at all. It really just underscores how important aircraft manufacturing is to the economy of the United States. And so hopefully um, we can recover from these mishaps quickly um, and the aircraft industry here can get onto a new flight path um, that should allow the economy to recover more quickly. So we'll continue to stay on top of this, particularly if uh, the trends that we've seen in aircraft safety are punctuated by any other pieces of breaking news in the future. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, but we will be around and on top of this nonetheless. Absolutely. I think that sums it up well, then. Great. Well, thank you all for joining us for this week's episode of Toast and Topics. And next week, we'll be moving on to a topic that is quite removed from airplane accidents. Love is in the air in February as we approach Valentine's Day. And so our next episode is going to focus on the economics of marriage and how trends in getting married have changed drastically over the years. Uh, you'll find out more soon. Thanks for listening to Toast and Topics. Before signing off, we wanted to disclose that the views in this podcast are our own and are not reflective of any institutions that we're associated with. They should not be considered investment advice. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and share with a friend or family member. We'll see you again next time.